Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I had a wonderful time at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. It was really great to see everybody. Thanks so much to everybody that showed up at the panel. And just for anybody that's been asking, I'm not putting the video of the panel up live because that's very soon going to turn into a fancy video with all the effects and all that stuff. So um, I really wanted to do it live first to learn from all of you who show up. Um, And as every time I've done it, I, I learned a lot about how to better tweak how I say things to make it a little bit clearer. So I'll be doing this a few more times, then I'm going to make a fancy video of it. Um, So, you know, let me know your feedback on that. If you'd like, I could probably put the Q&As up, but I definitely want to keep the video private until the new flashy one's available because I just kind of don't want it to take away from the final product. But if you were there live, you know, any feedback you got, I'm all ears. Um, And of course, once again, thanks to everybody that showed up. It was really great being able to do that. And the whole expo was awesome, by the way. The, The people who ran it were great. Um, you know, all of the volunteers were amazing. It was great to to see some people I haven't seen in a while, as well as meet people in person for the first time that I've been talking with. Uh, it's always cool to do that. So, you know, thanks very much to everybody. And, uh, you know, it's also a very strong reminder when you go to these expos that the people in the retro gaming scene are all so nice and so awesome. And, you know, sometimes it's really easy to forget about that when you go to these forums and you see these crazy people bringing everybody around them down. And stuff like this makes me remember that that really is just the smallest percentage of people. Uh, when you see people live like this and everybody's all happy and, and fun to be around, it just it's a great reminder that um, you know the internet trolls represent the smallest part of that community. So thanks to all the awesome people I met. And of course, a giant thank you and shout out to Brooklyn Video Games. Uh, they helped me lug my stuff all the way there and gave me a place to hang out at their booth the entire show when I wasn't... Uh, attending panels or anything so uh you know thank you very much for always being so gracious and let me take up a lot of space at your booth (laughs) so anyway um let's jump into the weeklies first up it looks like some of the newer switch revisions that have been released have a warmer screen color than some of the launch systems and this doesn't look like typical um like aging of the older screens Uh, it doesn't seem to follow the same pattern as like the yellowing or older screens it just seems like there's a different revision altogether in there Um, Wes from Second Opinion Games was able to do a post that really showed in detail the differences and in my opinion it looks like the newer screen looks better Um, so you know maybe check out the post and see for yourself but 
I predominantly play on, uh, in fact, 99% of the time on a big TV. So this is less of an issue for me. But if you're somebody that really games on the Switch itself all the time, um, you know, if you're ever looking for an excuse to get a new one or upgrade, or maybe yours was beat up or something, maybe now this is the excuse that you're looking for, because it does definitely seem to be a noticeable difference on this. Um, and once again, if anybody wants to see pictures, um, you know, Wes took the time to try to get exact comparisons so that you could really see for yourself what the difference is. But um, yeah, so it looks like the newer revisions have more durable uh, Joy-Cons as well as a warmer picture. So if you're predominantly a mobile gamer on the Switch, hey, you know, maybe it's a worthy upgrade, maybe not. Or, or maybe I guess a better way of looking at it is if you're looking to buy one and gaming on the screen is super important to you, maybe just bite the bullet and buy a brand new one rather than a used one or something like that. It looks like earlier this year, Analog Incorporated, the makers of Kevtris's Mega SG and Super NT, had filed two trademarks for two new product names. Um, the product names are Analog Pocket and Analog 8. Uh, and that is, that is where the facts in this part uh, end right now. That's public information. That's not stolen insider info or anything like that. So the only facts that are out there are that two names were registered to Analog Inc., and that's it. My personal speculation on this, and once again, I have no insider info at all. I just, uh, looking at these, I can kind of hope and guess that the analog pocket would be maybe some of the mobile cores that Kevtris had designed where you could actually play the original cartridges on it. Um, I think it would be absolutely incredible to have something with maybe a cartridge slot on the top and another one on the bottom that allows you to play both Game Gear and Game Boy games on the same thing. I think that would be absolutely awesome and a great way to experience original cartridges in a handheld form just like the original way they were meant to be played um and then the other name the analog 8 i would hope that that's just a stripped down version of the analog nt mini which was a console that was a, a really great representation of the NES and had all the other cores in there. But even in its basic form, it had a lot of stuff that most people probably would appreciate but not want. So it came with a Bluetooth controller. Uh, most people I know don't want to bother using a Bluetooth on NES or, or really any old retro because of the amount of lag that it adds. Totally fine to have Bluetooth on modern consoles where the lag is part of what the developers keep in mind. And it also had like a brushed aluminum aluminum case, which honestly was a, a piece of art. I mean, it really was a wonderful work, but I think most of the people buying that would not have wanted the extra cost and in, uh, in, in how fragile it was with that because it really scratched very easily. So hopefully this is a stripped down version where maybe it's just a NES with no cores that lets you play Famicom and NES games on it and outputs basic HDMI, kind of like the Mega SG and the Super NT. Maybe it'll be even more stripped down so that it's cheaper because at the moment the retro USB AVS um, could be shipped to your door for under 200 or, or about 200 give or take and it's awesome if you're just looking to play original NES cartridges or Famicom on your TV this just works perfect so uh, hopefully analog has another spin on it that would make it more desirable and not just be an exact competitor to that um, but overall, like I said, all of this is just speculation. The only fact out there, public info, is that they trademarked those two names. Um, and completely 
unrelated to analog, um, I did want to just fire out a friendly warning um, that I'm I got to draw the line right now for people stealing content for retro RGB. When this article went up, there was a few news publications and people who made videos that uh, just quoted this. You know, just basically gave a shout out to retro RGB one way or another. I guess the proper procedure is at the bottom of a written post you put source sometimes in a video you either just give a shout out or leave a link in the description either way that's awesome thank you very much you know it's, it's really great to see people working together like that by all means you know you feel free to link anything like that but there were also a few people that created their own content based on this and even kind of read this post pretty much the way it is without ever crediting. Um, and that's something that I've dealt with since the very inception of retro RGB. And uh, at first, I really, you know, it was kind of fun to see my stuff read, uh, read aloud. There was at least one time I remember a famous YouTuber read a page pretty much word for word, including the mistake that I had forgotten to correct but never credited me back, uh, credited me back. And that, you know, it's retro RGB has always been a group effort. Even when it was just me physically doing the writing, um, all of the behind the scenes research and work that goes into this are the culmination of a lot of amazing people that really just want to help and get their info out. And all the stuff we do on a regular basis, whether it's product development, which you can't really talk about because it involves products that aren't out yet, or just research on existing stuff. Um, I really feel like anytime something is taken from this site and not quoted back, it's a direct slap in the face to everybody that helped with that work. So while this particular post has nothing to do with any of that, uh, I did see it being used in places without credit given, so I just decided to fire a friendly warning shot through this podcast and say that from this moment on, anytime anybody steals from retro RGB uh, without crediting back, because if you credit, it's not stealing, um, then I will absolutely call you out on that. And that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be, you know, the the you know, the intellectual property police. I don't want to be a mean person on Twitter. I like just being happy and doing happy things. But, uh, you know, th there's just too many people contributing to the site now for me to say, oh, it doesn't bother me. It's not about me at all anymore. Now you're really just stealing from all of us who contribute, including the person that uh, found this public filing and tipped me off on it, which is why I read it. So, um, you know, just a friendly warning threat, if you want to call it that, but no more stealing from retro RGB without me making a big, very big deal about it and trying very hard to embarrass the people that do steal because a lot of, a lot of people have really used the hard work of everybody that have contributed to this site to boost their own channels without crediting back no more. So, uh, sorry to add some negativity to a pretty neat and interesting post, but I figured it was fair and I figured at least I would put it in context into when it was really happening. On a much lighter note, there are two new jailbreak firmwares available for the Super NT and the Mega SG. Uh, these jailbreak firmwares have all of the same upgrades and add-ons as the official firmwares, but of course with the ability to play ROMs and more, more cores at least on the Mega SG version. And one of the biggest updates to this is special chip support for a lot of the different chips on the Super NT. So now it looks like all of the DSPs, as well as the CX4, and some other uh, special chips are now supported. 
which is pretty awesome. And to be honest, I really liked these consoles as is, you know, just using your own cartridges or ROM carts or whatever else. And I really consider it a neat bonus that you get to jailbreak and put the ROMs on. And the fact that there's still things being added to it is just even more awesome. So uh, just a quick reminder, though, to people, um, while this is technically an unsupported jailbreak firmware, you could switch back any time to the official firmware. And I think a lot of people had the misconception that this is hacking of sorts, like when you jailbreak your iPhone and then sometimes an official app doesn't work anymore. And that is absolutely not the case with this. If you own one of these devices and you feel like playing ROMs, absolutely go out, grab these firmwares and use them and feel confident that you're not taking away from the experience at all. And for whatever reason, should you want to put the original firmware back on, just do it, and the original firmware goes right back on. So uh, thanks so much to whatever mystery person, wink, wink, might be putting these out, um, but it's really appreciated. And uh, anybody that wants to check out more details, please see Smoke Monster's video and post on it. Now for the third and final piece of info related to the company Analog. They've really been killing it in the news this week, right? Um, they have released prototypes of their digital to analog converter to certain beta testers. I was lucky enough to have one sent to me, so thank you very much for that. Um, and it's just uh, it's meant to be a basic device that plugs into the USB and HDMI ports of either the Mega SG or the Super NT, or hopefully the, any upcoming console they might release as well. Um, and then you get analog output via the two RCA audio jacks and a D-sub connector. Um, the D-sub connector looks like a VGA port, but it's essentially just used to break out all the different pins because there's already cables out there and available where you just uh, plug a cable in that looks like VGA on one side but breaks out S-video and composite on the other, for example. So uh, anybody, uh, you know, anybody interested, I'll have a video up on this within a few weeks. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to any deep dive on this for at least two weeks, but Smoke Monster's got a really great overview video of it so far, and I'll keep everybody posted on what I find with this. Um, the only thing I could vouch for so far is that the RGB video quality on this looks pretty darn good. So uh, anybody that needs info right now, check out what Smoke Monster's got. I'll have more info on this soon, and I don't believe anybody's got pricing info on this yet. So hopefully it's affordable enough that people who've already shelled out the cash for a Super NT and a Mega SG would want to buy it. But uh, anyway, I th you know, I'll keep everybody posted. That's about it for now. And uh, the only other thing to know is that um, this is a prototype, so the look might change. And I'm going to assume that Analog is going to ship it in a nice case because I could never imagine that company shipping just a bare PCB to people. <laughs> it's definitely not their style. So uh, I'll keep everybody updated as more stuff comes in. There's been some new additions to the upcoming PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16 mini consoles. Uh, first and foremost, more games have been added from Konami, um, bringing the total game selection up to 57, which is pretty awesome. And also, it seems that the developer M2 is going to be the uh, team that's doing the emulation for this. So overall, this could actually prove to be a really great way to experience those games on modern TVs. And really, that's, that's the goal of these mini consoles. Um, anytime I talk about them and I ever speak negatively of them, there's always people that comment positively about 
about, you know, oh, but look what you can do if you jailbreak them. But that's not at all what these consoles are supposed to be about. These are supposed to be for the people that, while some of these people might even look at what we, the crazy people, do and enjoy that and admire it, this is designed for somebody that just wants to plug in and play on a flat screen. I know many enthusiasts that uh, that bought the NES Classic first, knowing that they'll eventually get a NES RGB or a high-def NES or something like that, but they didn't want to spend the time to hack it. And it looks like if M2's doing the emulation and, you know, with that long, good list of games on here, it looks like this has the potential to accomplish just that. Buy it, take it out of the box, plug it in, and have a good experience. Um, A good enough experience for people that just want to experience the games without a ton of setup or trouble. So that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. I also think it's... um, I just also love the look of these. You know, if I had the room for it, I would buy every one of these classic consoles and just have them sitting up as neat little, you know, neat little artwork to display, I guess you could call it that. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it actually performs when it comes out. And I believe the release date is uh, springtime of next year. Greg Collins has just released his design for the G-Comp Switch bumper case. And I absolutely love this. Um, You know, I know I say that all the time. A lot of people I meet tease me about that. But it just, on the one hand, it's a bumper case that goes around the outside and really just does uh, dust protection. But I just think it makes the look of this switch, it just makes it look so freaking cool. So Greg's obviously always killing it with these 3D designs. um, And this one, in my opinion, is another solid win. Uh, I love how he utilized the existing clear plexi because I think that all of the, the G-Comp and the G-Scarts have looked good. I just uh, I absolutely love the, the side bumper approach to this. So you could purchase them on laserbear.net. If you have your own 3D printer that's big enough, um, you could print them yourself with the design files that Greg has been nice enough to donate to the community. And I believe there was at least one person that said their 3D printer was too small. So they printed it in two halves and then glued it together and it came out okay. So you have that option too, I guess. But this is very awesome. I hope to see uh, Greg continue his work on these for the G-SCART switch as well as others. Um, And if you have a 3D printer and the newer 8x2 G-Comp switch, it's kind of a no-brainer. You should definitely just go for it because it just uh, looks awesome. I also think he has mounting tabs that... um, that he can print or sell with this for people that are looking for wall mounts, which is a huge help for people looking to keep wires off the floor and have a really good managed cable system. So thanks again to Greg for all his work. Retromodding.com has just opened pre-orders on a newer IPS LCD screen for the Game Boy Advance. Um, And it was kind of hard to get specific details about all this. So I'll tell what I know and then I'll tell the other stuff that I heard about it. So this kit will come with the screen itself as well as a bracket that makes sure it's easy to center when you're installing it. It'll also come with a flex cable that has some circuitry on it as well as a glass screen protector, which I think is an awesome addition to any Game Boy Advance regardless of what screen you're going to put in it. Um, The kits are $35 and should ship in about a month. Now, these kits look like they're manufactured by Funny Playing, and the first time these screens were released, they had some kind of screen tearing issue, and it's a little bit hard to see. You'd have to check out the links in the post, and um, to be honest, uh, a few people sent me different links of videos of it, and it's some kind of tearing or wobbliness or something that kind of does take away from the look of it. So it's my opinion that with some really awesome backlit screens available for the Game Boy Advance, 
I wouldn't want any solution that takes away from the experience. Um, as we learned when I interviewed Ben Venn, he found that I think it was the white-tabbed Game Boy Advance LCD screens. The AGS-101 backlit screens were great, um, performed well, and didn't have the shimmering effect that some of the other Game Boy Advance screens have. And generally, those are the ones that you could find now in all of the kits. So with with a fairly cheap and easy installation available, um, I wouldn't be interested in this unless it didn't have any problems at all. So, uh, you know, thanks very much to everybody in the discord and to Dan for sending me info on all this stuff. Uh, I wanted to try to get as much info as I could, but I couldn't find any specific details. So what kind of scaling is, is it doing? What's the resolution of the panel itself? Um, there was either no info or conflicting info out there. So if somebody could point me in the right direction or if anybody knows anybody at Funny Playing that would be uh, interested in in giving more info about this, I'd certainly like to check it out. Um, Hopefully this revision of the IPS screen kit won't have that weird screen tear thing going on that the original one did. So, um, you know, any info I can get on it, uh, I'll absolutely report back. And I think people in the area uh, contacted me saying that they were going to get one of these as well. So I could be able to do a side-by-side, you know, like a 4K 60 frame per second side-by-side comparison to two of these, you know, this one versus the a really nice AGS 101 kit side-by-side playing the same game. So hopefully I'll have more info and a quick demo relatively soon. Uh, and thanks to everybody who passed info on to me. Crix, the creator of the EverDrives, has just posted a few updates about his EverDrive N8 and the upcoming N8 Pro, and I figured I would combine them all into one post. Uh, first, for the existing N8 that's already out there, Crix has posted a beta firmware that allows developers to auto-boot their games. So the firmware on the EverDrive N8 is essentially a folder with some files in it. So if you're a dev that wants to have a cartridge that pretty much acts as if it was an original game and not an EverDrive, you would just rename that folder, dump this new firmware on, and then when you boot it the first time, it's the same list. And then whenever you select the game from that moment on, as soon as you turn it on, it goes directly to the game, which is great for developers that want to bring that cartridge to trade shows and show it off and stuff like that. I think a lot of people that make NES games might not necessarily have all the tools necessary to create their own cartridges. So that's a really cool dev feature. It is a dev feature, though, so it's not like something where you could just press a key combination and come back in. If you wanted to uh, to put it back to original EverDrive status, you would delete that new firmware folder and then rename the original one back to EDFC. So I think it's an awesome thing for him to release and something that developers will probably take advantage of if they need a a quick portable way to go show off their game. Uh, Crix has also said that for the upcoming um, N8 Pro, he's going to be doing a lot of work on the mappers to get compatibility up and to get some of the final remaining bugs fixed. But as soon as he's done with that, he's going to port all of those updates back to the original N8, and the only games that won't work on both are the games that have a memory size that are too big to fit in the original. So that's really incredible. Um, I, you know, there's one thread on Crix's own forum where people were getting really disrespectful and really mean, and it, it was it was bothering me a lot because, you know, when you have a product like this that's a few years old, that's gotten a ton of updates and a lot of stuff essentially for free... You know, it it just drives me crazy when people take that for granted and start bad-mouthing the person that's giving all these free updates out there. So it was kind of funny to see him post in his own, you know, in that own thread and, and just 
kind of put everybody at ease about this stuff. So, you know, to to anybody that would go on Crix's thread and be rude to him about the free updates that we're getting, you might want to take a deep breath and, and think about your life because that was just rude and really turned me off to that whole thing. But, you know, that's a testament to Crix, right? If that were me, I would have deleted the thread and banned everybody that said all that stuff because I don't have time to deal with that. Uh, but Crix is obviously more patient of a person than I am. So he just let it fly and he's still doing all of his updates, still working hard on it. And, uh, you know, it's really awesome that he would even consider backporting any new updates to the other product because, you know, it's you just can't support everything that you've always put out. It's impossible, especially with smaller shops like Crix, where I believe it's himself mostly. So... Uh, and the very last update is the upcoming N8 Pro. Uh, we'll have up to 100 state, save state slots per game. Each of them could be noted by their date and time. So I immediately thought of speedrunners for this who want to use original hardware and practice specific parts of the game over and over. So I think that's a really awesome thing to be able to go back and do that. I guess as well as content creators that you know need specific footage often of different parts of games or heck, just people that, you know, I could see people wanting to have every level in Super Mario Brothers so you could go back and play it, you know, without codes or anything like that. But Whatever reason you would choose to have this, it's very cool that we're going to get up to 100 save state slots per game. So thanks to Crix for all the updates and everything like that. Um, you know, and thank you to everybody out there that's appreciative of all of these updates. You know, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, the, uh, the negative people really only represent the smallest percentage of everybody in the retro gaming scene. But they're very often the loudest, so it's easy to forget that. So thank you very much to Crix, as well as everybody who posts nicely. <laughs> and uh, to all those other people, I guess you got what you wanted. He's still supporting the thing, just maybe not as quickly as you'd have hoped. Well, that's it for this week. Once again, thanks so much to everybody involved with or attending the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. It was an absolute blast to go to, uh, and I'm really looking forward to all the other expos I have going on this year as well. Um, I hope they're all as fun and as positive as this one. I did get a little bit behind on my work, so uh, sorry there wasn't as many articles as I would have liked, or for anybody that's waiting for me on something, I'll get to it as quickly as I can, I promise. But uh, I really just wanted to spend the weekend hanging out, enjoying the expo, and meeting as many people as I can. But anyway, thank you all. Uh, anybody who came to the expo, anybody who just watches and listens, and especially people that uh, comment politely, that's always appreciated. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time.